Hello and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and their experience for you to learn from and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, check out practical-leadership.academy. Today, my guest is Jan Reichen. I'll ask him to introduce himself in a minute. But what we're going to be exploring is his journey from PE teacher of children all the way through to being the chief learning officer of ABM AMRO. And now, as he says, he describes himself as being in his third career phase, where he's a professor at two business schools and training to be a city guide in his hometown of Arnhem. We'll look at the employee as an individual and how really to understand people where you find them. So, Jan Reichen. Thank you very much indeed for joining me. Can I ask you, please, would you introduce yourself? Well, first of all, thanks for the invite, uh, Paul, and uh, uh, great to be here. Uh, let me introduce myself, Jan Reichen, Canadian by birth, Dutch nationality, living in NL. Um, in my former life, I started as a, a PE teacher, so teaching school children, um, and then, let's say, I advanced, uh, moving into L&D, uh, where I uh, had a career in six industries, very fortunate and privileged to uh, to be there. Uh, and now I'm a, a professor at two business schools, an author of of, of books and uh, and articles. Let me ask you then, when you first became a people manager, what were the circumstances? I started teaching, so uh, that's a sort of a leadership role because you have to manage a group, and that was overwhelming to start with. To look at uh, you know all your pupils uh, look at individually who they are and trying to get them all in the same direction that did help me when i went to uh, moved into my first corporate leadership role and when i started to manage a, a a small team real leadership was new to me and i actually underestimated it learned a lot uh, from that first role and uh, let's say uh, try to uh, improve uh, during other roles in leading teams and uh, and people pull so what was the big learning what you said you underestimated it what did you underestimate i think when i started i was very much task-centered rather than find a good balance between task-centered and people-centered leadership. So I think that was, um, let's say, one of my uh, my pitfalls. Another one was that I took myself as the standard. And um, that's probably one of the, uh, the biggest mistakes I made as a leader, because, you know, if you take your own drive, your own knowledge, your own experience as a standard, you forget uh, that you're leading individuals who've got a different mindset, uh, maybe a different drive, different aspirations. So uh, you need to tap it, to tap into them. Are either of these then some of the advice that you would give to some of the people you're mentoring? I would say, you know, look at who's behind the employee, what drives them, what's their ambition, why do they want to work in, in the organization and for you? And then, you know, the second point probably is balance your task and people leadership. And the third one is build on strengths rather than try to compensate weaknesses or development areas that people have because they'll be much more engaged. That's what I experienced, Paul. So let's take the first one there. Look at the employees and individual. How, do you, how would you go about doing that? 
Well, whenever I started with a new team, I, you know, had a uh, a team meeting, and then I really uh, invested time in meeting all my team members um, and getting to know them, uh, and not only asking them about work, but also asking them about their passions, about their ambitions, uh, and about their family life, because in knowing that, uh, I could understand he or she. And uh, uh, from there, you know, I could tap into that in, in, in work, for instance, in the assignments or the projects I would, uh, I would run with them. You find out that somebody really wants to become a world-class guitarist. How do you connect that to their daily life? You know, there's a way. There is, you know, that's the fun in looking at their uh, their ambitions. So uh, uh, that will probably, uh, uh, you know, show that they're creative. They're into new stuff. So uh, I'd look at, uh, you know, how can I give them uh, and involve them into new projects? Um, uh, you know, how can they get the rhythm that they've got in their music? How can they, how can they get that in the, in the work, the flow? And uh, let's say, uh, you know, usually musicians um, do that together, make music together. How can they get them to work and collaborate in a good way with other people? Fantastic. What happens if somebody's slightly offbeat? You know, that's it. Well, then, then you got to go for jazz. Right. It happens all the time. So, uh, you know, you just, uh, uh, again, in, in, in projects that works, like in music, so um, then, you know, you talk to a person, you say, do you realize that? Um, and maybe, uh, let's say, um, they learn, learn something new or have to adapt their, uh, their work methodology. So uh, rhythm guitar, I don't know, baking right. a cake. I've just bottled some wine, you know, this the story there. So you're, I'm making wine. I love fruit trees. So it's all about patience. You plant a fruit tree, you have to wait for five years before you get anything, right? Yes. There's always some way of bringing the, the whole person into the thing, isn't there? And it's about stories, Paul. It's about stories. So everybody has uh, has their individual story. So uh, uh, listen to the people. And uh, I've discovered uh, during my leadership career that there's a lot more behind people than you see on the surface. There's some exciting stuff that you can uh, you can discover. If I had to ask, what was the mistake that you learned most from in your career? It's an interesting question. It's probably not diversifying my team right from the start. Um, when I built my first team, I recruited people um, like me in the team, hmm. which let's say in good times is fine because you know it's easy to get consensus and commitment. But in the long run, and when the going gets tough, uh, it doesn't work. So I've really learned that it's better to diversify your team, uh, you know, to be inclusive uh, and create a sense of belonging to uh, those diverse people, because then one and one is really three. We're talking a lot about diversity. We talk a lot about inclusion. And I think a lot of people get really distracted by the demographic idea of diversity rather than the the intellectual or the psychological, that's the diversity right. of thought and the diversity of background that yeah. you're really looking for rather than the container that it comes in. Yeah. Right. You mentioned that right now you're the professor at two business schools. One was not enough. So what else are you working on? What are you working on at present? A few things that are exciting. Well, first of all, I'm in my third career phase. That is exciting. <laughs> I have left behind me the corporate uh, 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 life, with all the politics and, and challenges, uh, I love to play uh, the political game, but it's also exhausting. So I've now moved to my third career phase where, let's say, um, you know, I'm teaching, 
I'm, I'm sharing knowledge, I'm mentoring young talents, and I'm a granddad. And oh, which, and that's probably you know uh, new um, and exciting to me. And and you mentioned the word patience before. It also taps into my patience because I'm not a patient guy. But with my first grandson, you know, I just focus on him and uh, look at you know what does he need from me now to live in the moment. So um, uh, that's good for me. And then one more thing I want to mention because um, I've got more time than I had before and I have decided to become a city guide. I'm at the moment, uh, let's say, in um, in a program where um, I'm being trained to be a city guide because, uh, let's say, in a few months, I'll be able to take you or others, you know, in a group around Arnhem show you the beauty you know talk about history talk about architecture that's a great new addition to my uh, my life that is fantastic i absolutely love that tour guide city guide of the city of arnhem so what's the thing that strikes you most about arnhem what's the one thing that's so, so far so good what's the it's the it's the history especially around the uh, the second world war so arnhem was in the center of market garden well known in um, Operation in, Market in, Garden in, yeah. in Britain, where let's say Arnhem was famous for a bridge too far, a lot of casualties, and the city was destroyed, um, and you know was built up again after the war. So that's probably the most striking thing about uh, about Arnhem, other than the uh, the beautiful nature that surrounds the city. Other than fifteen different books on the history and architecture of. The beauty of Arnhem. What are you reading, Mike? Now, oh, apart from, of course, your own books. There's two or three things that I uh, I read and I've been reading over the uh, the past holiday season. Um, uh, let's say uh, there's a book called uh, "The Workplace Curiosity Manifesto" by a guy named Stefan van Hooydonk. So that focuses a lot on curiosity. I think that's really important to look at. We are able to, uh, you know, if you've got children, you know that they're very curious. Then they get into the educational system and we're able to sort of uh, temper their curiosity uh, whilst it is uh, one of the great goods that we have. So how can you, uh, let's say, boost your curiosity in the workplace environment? So that's one book. And then I discovered two weeks ago, I discovered this book. I read an article about it and I've started reading it. It's called Slouching Towards Utopia. It's a book by a guy called Bradford DeLong. It paints the future society and it, it talks about how can we create a society of um, equality and more, um, uh, let's say, spreading of wealth uh, across countries um, and across, uh, let's say, continents. So uh, that's exciting. I've only started to read, so uh, I'm in chapter two, but it was an uh, exciting uh, ad and I can uh, advise it to, uh, to others. Go back to slouching as well, then we think of our younger selves. What would you like to thank your younger self for doing? That's a, a good question. I would like to thank my younger self for showing courage and resilience. I had a quite fascinating upbringing. My dad was an expat, so I've lived in five countries when I was 15. And then at the age of 15, I was in grammar school in England. My parents moved to US and I didn't want to join them. I decided to move back to NL. So when I was 15, I moved into um, a room, took care of myself. It's about showing courage 
It's about being confident, but also getting out of your comfort zone. And I think that's something, that's a red thread across my career, but also a passion of mine in inspiring others to pull people out of their comfort zone and show that, yes, it can be uncomfortable, a little or a lot, but you know you benefit from it in the long run. I've seen people get out of their comfort zone, tread new pastures, and then become excited at a totally different level. And that's great to see. I think, Jan, if I had to point to one thing that I took away from the time that we spent together, and we had a, a lot of good conversations, you and I, over the time, I think that would be the one that has that still resonates with me. It's pulling yourself out of your comfort zone, doing things that you're not really that happy about, because that's where you learn. That's where the change and the development happens. That's where that's where the, the ideas come. Yeah. It's hard learning, but it's it's real learning. Yes. Lastly then, how could people find you? They want to find your books, what, what your your writing? Yeah, I think there's a few places where people can find me. First of all, uh, obviously on uh, on LinkedIn, personal sites. So I'm happy to connect with uh, with people I regularly share articles, research, and the uh, and the likes. Uh, I'm running a group on LinkedIn called Global Learning Executives, where, let's say, um, people um, from different uh, places in the L&D community connect and share. So, uh, you know, the, the master programs that we're running, look at a program like the Global Master Program uh, L&D Leadership. It's the best hybrid program in the world for seasoned L&D professionals who want to take the next step and get out of their comfort zone because it's not only about leading and transforming L&D, but it's also about personal leadership. So um, I invite people to uh, to take a look at that at uh, the IE Business School site. So they are the three places where people can find me other than, you know, if they're in Arnhem and want to do a city tour, happy to uh, take them around uh, this beautiful city, Paul. Marvellous. Well, I'll put the links to uh, your LinkedIn, the group, and to the masterclasses into the notes of this as well so anybody can join. Everybody I know who's been on the uh, masterclasses has come back transformed. Jan Reichen, then it just remains for me to say thank you very much indeed for joining. Thank you for sharing. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much, Paul, for your uh, challenging and inspiring questions. And uh, I hope the podcast and the podcast series can uh, inspire uh, others. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework, subscribe and share this with a friend or colleague. Please leave your five-star review and any comments you have, because that really helps me to improve every day. And it helps people to discover me online. If you want to upgrade your leadership skills in 25 minutes, you should check out practical-leadership.academy.